Thy sistren and brethren in Greece swallow yon bolus of spit and bone to prepare thy lungs for exaltations. The story must be told. Welcome once again. I invite you to hoist up on those hams. And now, a psalm read tender and heated true. I caught three fish, each of them writhing. God, making me hot. I bit their warmth, and my teeth cracked. God, I couldn't take it. I spit up, and I smeared it. Drew a little picture of my filth of a charming goddamn Saturday. Thank you for the wonderful psalm reading. He's been reading with us for a few weeks. Now I don't know his name yet, <laughs> but uh, do intend to learn it one of these days. And bend thy knees before the story, the story for which we gather, oh, this tale of condemnation, how it will inform our daily lives. Hoist up on them hams right now and repeat with me. The story must be told. And yet another parable from the Saint Rip Roaring Dad Scream. He wrote this to the Two Feet Grin Boys, and he titled this letter Super Value Menu. finished giving his order and pulled around to the second window of the drive-thru, as instructed by the voice in the speaker. He pulled up, and the cashier's window screeched open with rubber resistance. 1743, sweetheart, a stoned 40-something woman behind the window in a dirty Taco Bell polo said. Her eyes were pink like chewing gum, and her teeth yellow from years of abusing Mountain Dew. Rich shifted his weight to take out his wallet, straightened his back to slide his hand into his chinos and grab change, then handed it over. The woman took the money without saying anything and shut the window. Rich sat in the rain with the radio off, listening to the drone of the engine and the metronome's struggle of the windshield wipers against the glass. He thought about the Walther 322 QD 22 caliber handgun in his trunk. This morning, he had thrown it in his trunk, in the divot behind the wheel well. He wondered if he had turned off the safety, and how hard of a bump he'd need to hit for it to go off. The drive through window screeched open again, and the woman shoved a giant, humid paper bag with Eat Moss advertised on it. 
She carefully jammed a comically large cup of soda in his hand, then retreated again behind her foggy window without saying thank you. Rich pulled up a few yards to set the bag down in the empty passenger seat next to him so he could get situated. He opened the bag and counted his order. Chalupa Supreme, Cheesy Gordita Crunch, and Nachos Bel Grande. Rich rolled the bag shut to keep it warm, stabbed his straw into his drink, took a swig of Diet Dr. Pepper, and pulled onto the state route. The bubbles danced down his throat. He drove in silence, feeling sorry for himself. Today was his 25th work anniversary. The office celebrated by putting a lame string of letters, some backwards, over his desk, each muttering, Congratulations. The office used this exact same string for birthdays, pregnancy announcements, and retirement parties. His boss allowed his division to take 15 minutes off to clap him on the back in the break room, and then it was back to work. Hardly anyone stayed the whole 15 minutes. Rich had objectively wasted his life to date. He graduated in 2010 with an arts degree from an expensive college, and he had no practical work experience at that time all those years ago. He worked in retail and coffee shops, gaining weight, until his managerial experience dropped a white-collar job into his lap 10 years later. For 25 years, he sat in front of a computer hardly getting raises that extended beyond cost-of-living increases. He should have quit his job years ago, and now it was too late. Tomorrow after work, he planned to shoot himself in the parking lot. Rich rummaged with one hand in the paper bag to grab his burrito while doing 50 in a 45. As he unwrapped it, moist tortilla stuck to waxed paper peppered with half-Spanish slogans. He took a bite, met with soft resistance, as hot cheese squirted out the back of the burrito and onto his chin, searing his skin. The car swerved as he winced just long enough to miss a bend in the road. The old Honda Fit slammed into the steel barrier, tipping the car on its side and flinging it into the dip of the side of the road without breaking the guardrail. The car tumbled ass over elbow down the mud embankment, slamming into trees like an inexperienced skier hitting every flag on a course. Sharp branches broke through the windows, slicing Rich's arms, chest, neck, and face to ribbons. It finally slammed into a boulder at the bottom of the ditch. Rich awoke with deep cuts in his skin and bleeding in his brain. He had double vision and couldn't feel below his neck. He remained conscious long enough to see two identical images of smoke coming through the air vents as the car started on fire under the hood. It did not explode like in movies. Rather, it slowly burned with intensity. the Taco Bell, Crystal counted down her cash drawer in her stained Taco Bell polo, needing to count and recount the bills since she was so high on methamphetamine. The till came over by $17, and she pocketed the surplus. She could certainly use the walking around money, but more practically, didn't want to deal with filling the overcount form she'd need her manager to sign. Crystal left, juking between cars standing bumper to bumper waiting in line for the drive through she reached her beaten-down Honda Fit and slunk into the seat. The interior was heavy with the smell of stale cigarette smoke and weed. She popped open the glove compartment and pulled out a stained glass pipe with generous remnants of meth. Crystal lit the pipe, spinning it in circles as the meth boiled and entered her lungs. 
She sat in her car for a few minutes and let the high race through her. When the initial buzz dropped, she pulled a joint down from the sun visor and sparked it while jerkily pulling out of the parking lot. She pulled out as a cop car pulled in. Her heart sank and she began to shake as she made the right turn onto the state road. She fixed her eyes on her rearview mirror and felt minor relief when the police car pulled into the spot she had just used. The officer got out and headed into the restaurant. Crystal felt like she was in the clear and continued to check the rear view every 20 seconds. Crystal thought about the $17 and felt excited at the surprise surplus in cash. She could use it. She'd paid the last three months of rent on three different credit cards and had used four other credit cards to pay off those three credit cards. She'd been in jail twice, rehabbed three times, and was on her sixth job of the year. She was completely baked with Top 40 music blaring as she overcautiously brought her car to a near halt as she navigated the bend in the route. As she hit the apex of the turn, she noticed thick black smoke coming from the ravine. There were skid marks and a dent in the guardrail. Her heart skipped, and she tried to convince herself she was being paranoid as she made the turn at 10 miles an hour. But when she looked in the side mirror, she saw a car smoldering in the ditch. She immediately pulled onto the side of the road and got out. Down in the ravine, dark smoke poured out of a Honda Fit, although it was too mangled and burned for her to realize that it was, coincidentally, the exact same make and model as her own. She ripped the last of her joint and flung it towards the car when she realized a man was trapped inside. She immediately slid down the hill to investigate. She stumbled down the mud towards the car. The driver's side had been completely caved in, like it had been T-boned, but by a tree. Crystal cupped her hands over the driver's side window and saw a man inside. He wasn't moving. She took a few step backs, horrified and nauseous, and debated what to do. The meth had clearly done her in, and she was way too cooked to think clearly. Her mind ping-ponged between trying to save him and leaving him like she hadn't seen anything at all. If she saved him, she would be a hero. But if the cops knew she was high, whether she saved him or not, she would certainly go to jail, or so she had convinced herself in her chemically altered state. And she'd never met this guy. Maybe the guy did this on purpose. Maybe this was none of Crystal's business at all. Definitely no stranger was worth going to jail for, Crystal thought. And to further her conviction, he was wearing a tie. He was just another rich nobody thinking he had it worse than he did. To hell with him, she tried to convince herself. She was so high, she also convinced herself the cops would first arrest her, throw her in prison for at least 20 years, and then get to saving the man in the car if they had the time left. So extremely baked was she. Crystal paced around the car, agonizing over the dilemma. On her sixth lap around the Honda Fit, she saw the impact had popped the trunk open. She lifted the trunk and it responded with a metallic screech. The cracked window shattered when it became unstuck, covering her in bits of glass. She shook it out of her hair and looked into the trunk, hoping to find gardening shears or whatever her stone brain hoped would be in the man's trunk to cut him loose. Instead, she found a Walther 322 QD 22 caliber handgun lying on the carpet of the trunk. She had been around guns enough to see the safety was off, and it was a wonder it hadn't gone off during the crash. Crystal picked up the Walther, and it was heavy in her hand. 
She turned the safety on and walked around to the driver's side door, raising the gun like a hammer to shatter the window and break the man out. When she was primed to strike, she saw her reflection in the window. Purple dyed bangs hung under her stoned pink eyes. Her yellow teeth sprawled at jagged, revolting angles in her mouth, and she felt ashamed at scars across her cheeks from seven years of hardcore meth abuse. But worst of all was her Taco Bell polo, off-purple, stained, wrinkled, a decaying, stinking monument to her ruined life. Crystal reminded herself that, for all she knew, this man was already dead. No one had to know she was ever even there. No one would even ever know she had his gun. She felt the $17 in her pocket and the heavy steel in her hand. She decided she'd be better off if she robbed the Taco Bell. Officer Grace Sullivan carried a grease-stained tray to a booth in the back where she could see all the exits. The walkie-talkie on her shoulder squawked police codes through the airwaves, and the weight of her handgun forced her to favor her right side when walking, resulting in back pain. She placed her cell phone on the table, unwrapped a Chalupa Supreme, and ate while pretending to read the news. Her trip to Taco Bell had been a personal errand. In that very booth is where she had dinner with her late partner for the final time. She imagined him in front of her, cracking wise and eating food off her tray. Pete was a rookie, assigned to her after getting out of the academy so he could learn the ropes from a vet. At first, she was hard on him, but he quickly learned she was a big softie and a very good cop. They were a terrific team. He'd be the first to rush into hot situations, and he relied on her to navigate the intricacies of domestic violence calls. Grace fantasized about what could have been if they had more time together. Her husband loved him, he acted like a big brother around her kids, and kept everyone laughing at the station. He was the life of the party until a few months ago, when he was doing laps at the YMCA before a shift. An undetected congenital heart defect caused a massive heart attack, causing him to sink like a stone to the floor of the pool and drown. And now Grace ate alone and counted the days to her pension. As she finished her meal, she imagined his ghost one last time. She put used napkins and wrappers on the tray and headed to the garbage cans when a strung-out woman in a dirty, purple Taco Bell polo burst in the door, waving a handgun insanely. Grace unbuckled her gun, ducked behind the self-service station, and set it on Crystal. Crystal, what the fuck are you doing? screamed a middle-aged manager in a clip-on tie. I know you know the code to the safe! Crystal screamed in an Appalachian draw. Fucking empty it right now, and if you call the cops, I'll blow your fucking head off. Drop the weapon, screamed Grace, aiming directly at Crystal's head not six feet away. Crystal turned towards Grace and, regrettably, aimed. She even pulled the trigger, but the trigger caught the safety she had flipped on not 20 minutes before. Grace's bullet entered Crystal's right cheekbone and blew her brains out of the back of the left side of her head, spraying the fryer and the manager with hot chunks of gore. Grace shook, screaming in her walkie-talkie for an ambulance as Crystal and what was left of her head drained on the linoleum floor.
It was nighttime. Grace drove home down the state route from the station, quivering like confetti out of a cannon. The captain put her on two weeks' paid leave, which was a policy for any cop who unholstered and fired her weapon. The captain in the precinct thanked her for her bravery, and the sergeant suggested she'd be receiving a commendation after she had two weeks to cool off. She drove without the radio, listening only to the windshield wipers struggling against violent rain. Grace passed the Taco Bell feeling nauseous. The crime scene unit was still scrubbing blood off the floor and walls. She unbuttoned the top of her shirt and took her walkie-talkie off her shoulder, throwing it on the passenger seat. Grace's head floated, and hot vomit choked the back of her tongue. She felt cold and sweaty and was ready to puke. She slowly made the turn at the bend at the ravine, got out of her car, and vomited forcefully on the gravel near the road. The heavy rain swept away the vomit and snot she spewed on the ground, running it down into the creek. She watched her sick go down the hill and saw a car at a weird angle at the bottom of the ravine. Grace didn't remember any accident being called in, nor would a car be left to rot in a creek. Shaking but no longer nauseous, she slowly slid down the ravine to the car, slipping in the storm. Inside the car was a man. His head lamely weaved from side to side, taking time to rest against the driver's side window before weaving again. Grace lunged towards the car and slipped face down in the mud. She called out to the man, but got no response. She crawled towards the car in the tractionless mud and pulled herself up the door. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? She screamed. Rain pounded on the window so intensely she could hardly hear her own voice. The man flinched, but couldn't remain conscious. I'm getting help! Don't move! She screamed through the window. She turned and took a quick, heavy step forward, instantly losing her footing in the mud. Grace slipped back cartoonishly, slamming her head against the Honda Fit side mirror right above her ear. She was instantly unconscious, sliding in the mud towards the bottom of the creek. Grace tumbled down the ravine like a pin roller, arms slowly and lamely flailing like a dummy. The rain and mud carried her all the way down to the water, where she stopped face down in the small creek. Rainwater poured overhead, filling the creek and covering her face. After a few minutes, she had drowned. Rich returned to work. He sat in the same chair under the same congratulations banner as his office quietly welcomed him back. The store-bought cake in front of him remained untouched as his co-workers filed in and out, finally leaving him alone with a headache the doctors warned would probably be constant. For months, acquaintances and doctors enthusiastically told him how lucky he was during agonizing hours of physical therapy, resulting in hundreds of thousands of dollars of medical bills. He had to relearn how to walk and how to talk, had 43 pins in his legs, a metal disc in his spine, and mild double vision that would never go away. That workday was like any workday. He stayed late so he wouldn't have to make small talk in the elevator and snuck out when he was the last one in the office. He got into his dealership rental car and headed home. He passed the Taco Bell, where Officer Sullivan performed her second-to-last heroic act. He crossed the Ben, where he had crashed and where she had drowned. A makeshift wooden cross sat hammered into the mud by the road with wilting flowers. Rich pulled up to his single-story house and stopped in the garage. 
He pulled up the parking brake and put it in neutral, the car idling. The mechanical garage door opener shut the door behind him as Rich rolled down the windows. He revved the engine in the dark as the garage door sealed him in. The story must be told. Thank you for listening to This Story Must Be Told. Have a real greasy night. We're hosted on the Last Podcast Network, and you can find us on Twitter at TSMBTPod. If you want to see more of our stuff, come to posteverythingproductions.com. Rate and review us on iTunes and SoundCloud. And until then, we'll talk next week. That's all you got? Let's do poems. This thing has remarkably good battery life. The story must be told.